You've reached the only way is ethics. How can I help you? Is it okay to test makeup on animals? Should we pay for surrogacy? Are celebs allowed to promote diet products? Are the Kardashians feminists? Is it bad that I watch trash TV? Please hold. Welcome back to The Only Way Is Ethics. It's a little bit of a rainy day today, so apologies if you can hear any rain sounds in the background, although it might be quite soothing, so I don't know. Make of it what you will. Um, This week's question is something that has divided political parties for decades, and how we choose to answer it will shape the framework of our fundamental institutions. Yep, it's that important. Aren't you excited? We looked last week at what we owe to animals. This week, we're going to look at what we owe to each other. We're going to look at different forms of egalitarianism. Our introduction to the topic is gonna come from an unexpected source, shall we say. Anyone remember Chloe Mafia from The X Factor in around 2010, I wanna say? Uh, Look her video up on YouTube if you've forgotten. It was one of the car crash auditions. Well, she sort of rebranded herself as Chloe Khan and now lives the influencer lifestyle. And part of this lifestyle includes plastic surgeries. No, this podcast won't be looking at the morality of plastic surgery, at least not specifically. What we will focus on is the subject of a debate Khan participated in on a Good Morning Britain episode. Should the NHS pay for corrective surgery after plastic surgery goes wrong? Khan argued actually that plastic surgery is a choice made with known risk and that people such as herself should be responsible for paying for correction. Let's pedal back here for a second. What is at the centre of this issue? You may be familiar with libertarian discussions of personal responsibility. Do we provide aid for people who find themselves in trouble through their own choices? Well, let's start with our first outlook on the matter. Luck egalitarianism. Luck egalitarianism, while sounding nice and cuddly, is also the ethical theory that believes people should be compensated for inequalities encountered through bad brute luck. Brute luck is the type of luck that is, according to Dworkin, unavoidable, not incurred through the actions of the individual. The opposite type of luck is option luck. This luck comes through decisions made by the individual. Take the issue of surgery. If someone were the victim of an acid attack, luck egalitarians would in theory be favour of that person receiving reconstructive skin graft. They could, however, side with Khan in the opinion that people requiring surgery because of personal decisions to have plastic surgery with known risk should not be compensated and shouldn't be given reconstructive surgery on the NHS. Alongside just bad luck that we encounter throughout our lives, luck egalitarians profess to also want to address inherited inequality. The most obvious birth inequality to require compensation is economic inequality. Being born into a family which does not provide you with the same financial advantage as other people. Luck egalitarians might suggest something like compensating people with the money to fund a university degree, or put down a mortgage on a house, or just a lump sum upon birth that directly reflects your pre-existing economic circumstances. Notice that this isn't a world where gradually we all get on the same economic footing. This is intentional. Luck egalitarians don't believe in handing out help for people who lose money to something like gambling. 
nor do they believe in benefits for people who have lost significant money due to risky business decisions. But they would believe in compensating the children of these people who find themselves on a back foot in life. According to Lachigalitarians, Compensatable inequalities can also come from historical oppression and its legacy of discrimination. Being born non-white, a woman, not straight, in a body that does not reflect your gender identity into certain religious groups, to name just a few demographics. We will come back to criticisms of Luck Egalitarian's approach to inherited inequality in a second, but first let's focus on the initial question of whether people should be helped for inequalities they incur through decisions they make themselves. So there are a lot of people who live by the motto of individual responsibility. A lot of Republicans, a lot of Libertarians, a lot of proponents of capitalism and minimal government intervention. Interestingly, on a side note, during the COVID crisis, a lot of these people have no problem with big business bailouts. But hey, what do I know? So yeah, a lot of focus on individuals having a responsibility to look after themselves and not quote-unquote burden the economy. A lot of people view the decision to get cosmetic surgery as a vapid shallow choice, or at best something that has no place in a public health service. But imagine, if you will, an NHS that only treated patients who were the victims of bad brute luck. You might end up with next to no patients. You wouldn't be able to treat anyone who had had a sporting accident. Playing sports is a choice, after all, with known risks. And we don't just have to look at healthcare to see this pan out. Take the benefit system and how luck egalitarianism would treat caregivers. Many caregivers are family members who technically have chosen to be in their positions in a roundabout way seems pretty callous to not offer them any government support, no? Or imagine a person who sees a burning building and rushes in to help in any way they can and in doing so sustains some serious burns. Are we really going to tell them that they can't get free healthcare because they've made a decision to help other people? This is a large part of the argument against like egalitarian mindsets, that they make people unreasonably resistant to helping other people. There is another component to the criticism, Luck egalitarianism isn't just unfair to those it won't compensate, but also degrading in its approach to those it will. Let's go back to the idea of inherited inequality for a second. We've covered the more commonly discussed examples of discrimination, and we'll come back to these in a moment. But first, let's once again go back to the case of plastic surgery and aesthetics and beauty in general. It's pretty obvious that one thing we can be discriminated against for is our looks. It sounds awkward, but it's true. Look at the modelling industry. You can't be a model if you don't meet certain standards. Granted, these standards are thankfully becoming more inclusive, but they still stand. I, as a merely averagely attractive human being, will never be able to work as a high fashion model. Not fishing for compliments, I promise. But seriously, modelling is an industry where you really can be discriminated against based on how you look. And in general, we all know being above average on the scale of societal beauty standards is a very helpful trait in life, whatever path we choose to go down. So then, by luck egalitarianism's own standards, would we have to compensate all those born without the natural good looks of, say, Beyonce, or the dashing charm of an Idris Elba? Seems rather cruel and degrading, no? Does this mean upon emerging from puberty, teens would be evaluated by natural-born attractiveness and given some sort of monetary compensation if found below average? Or to return to the original topic of plastic surgery, would they be given some sort of gift voucher for a cosmetic surgeon? This might sound far-fetched to you, but apply the same response to something like disability. 
We might think it would be charitable to offer monetary compensation to those born with disabilities and mental health conditions to make up for societal inequalities. Now, as someone who is classed as quote-unquote abled, I won't for a minute pretend to speak on behalf of others, but what I will do is point to the many cases of people who are born with disabilities who would not want to change who they are to become quote-unquote abled who have done amazing things not in spite of but because of their disabilities, or who have just lived their lives the same as most other able-bodied people in their lives. People with disabilities don't have to climb Everest after all to have rich and meaningful lives. In particular, I remember watching a documentary on blindness in which one of the subjects of the documentary explained how they were perfectly happy as they were and wouldn't necessarily change their situation. I doubt this person would feel like they were owed compensation. On a similar note, Stephen Fry has talked previously about his experience with bipolar and how contrary to what people might expect, he wouldn't choose to get rid of his bipolar if he had the chance. Not to say that this is the case for all people, but I think it's pretty patronising to assume all people with disabilities or people with mental health conditions are to be pitied and thrown money at. We'll talk about her more in a second, but Elizabeth Anderson is someone who's criticised like egalitarianism on this issue by imagining a letter sent by the government to people who might qualify for these compensations. It goes as follows. To the disabled, your defective native endowments or current disabilities last make your life less worth living than the lives of normal people. To the stupid and untalented, unfortunately other people don't value what little you have to offer in the system of production. Because of the misfortune that you were born so poorly endowed with talents, we productive ones will make it up to you. We'll let you share in the bounty of what we have produced with our vastly superior and highly valued abilities. To the ugly and socially awkward, maybe you won't be such a loser in love once potential dates see how rich you are. This is the second issue of lack egalitarianism that is degrading and patronising to the subjects of its quote-unquote help. Also, this approach to social inequality does nothing to actually address the root of the issue. We're seeing a lot at the moment about performative action and the danger of doing things that make us feel good about addressing issues without actually taking the time to really address the issues at hand. In other words, throwing money at people who are born unequal is like putting a wet band-aid on a wound. Many believe there are better ways of providing support. So, what is our alternative? Well, a lot of people, including Elizabeth Anderson, have advocated for democratic equality as an alternative. What is democratic equality, you ask? Well, this is a good time to turn back to Elizabeth Anderson. Anderson explains the difference between luck egalitarian approaches and democratic equality approaches as follows. The proper negative aim of egalitarian justice is not to eliminate the impact of brute luck from human affairs, but to end oppression, which by definition is socially imposed. What does this mean? Well, do we really want to say that someone who is born gay, a woman, black, disabled, etc. has encountered bad brute luck? Anderson says no, we say they encounter oppression because of socially constructed attitudes towards certain states of being. So democratic equality aims to locate unjust efficiencies in the social order rather than in people's innate endowments. The problem is in society, not with the people. 
I don't represent many social minorities, but as a woman, I can confirm that I would much rather that I received equal pay for my work, that I, if I ever choose to have a child, will receive adequate maternity leave and or significant paternity leave, and in general, that my rights will be upheld just as fiercely as my male counterparts over simply being handed an apologetic ward of cash to cover the cost of being born a woman. I don't just want to be let into top universities or jobs, I want to be protected from harassment and misogyny in these places. To return to the discussion of disability compensation, wouldn't it make far more sense to instead of handing a pretty patronising wad of cash to someone, to instead work on democratising society so that people with disabilities are catered to in everyday life so that we tackle inequality in a more sustainable way? This would mean initiatives like workplace support, such as ramps or sign language training. And in the case of unequal talents and abilities, Anderson thinks this is okay so long as residents of modern democracies live in a state of civilization where the attainment of honour is not a condition of enjoying basic freedoms. Back to our original question of plastic surgery, Anderson explicitly talks about luck egalitarianism's approach to ugly people and subsidised plastic surgery. She argues that certain extreme standards of beauty can be considered oppressive and that alternatively to changing people's appearances, we should put efforts in place to change people's norms of acceptable appearance in order to let everyone with, again, quote-unquote birth defects to participate in society as free citizens. We've dealt with a few social oppressions, but what about the most obvious of inequalities? Money. Money might not be everything, but it would be naive to think that it isn't a huge part of inequality. You may be aware that at the moment there is a lot of cause for black people and other people of colour to be compensated for historical wrongs. This isn't a new concept, advocates have been calling for it for years. Recent spotlights on the cause have been partially sparked by the outrage felt at the fact former slave owners were actually compensated for their loss after the abolition of slavery. Would reparations fall under luck egalitarianism? I'm not sure. Some people have argued that it would. I think it depends on how you interpret luck egalitarianism's main goals. What is the priority? Is it to take on inherited inequality or is it to avoid having to provide support to others and avoid real structural change? Bear in mind that both libertarians and socialists have argued for versions of luck egalitarianism principles. Think of the phrase equal opportunity and how complicated an idea this is. Surface level, this statement is supported by most members of the political spectrum, but what does that really mean? Luck egalitarian compensation might be a recognition of the unequal footing modern day black people and other people of colour face due to modern day inequalities surrounding their race, but it isn't necessarily concerned with addressing the wrongs of the past and the effects of these on current populations head on. If we at some point could get to a society where race was not a factor in things like getting into university or reaching executive level job positions, these compensations might not be necessary to a luck egalitarian. But reparations run deeper than that. They don't just encompass money. They involve a recognition of past damage and hurt and an acceptance of a need to make things right on more than just a monetary level. This may be in actions like the reassessment of holidays like the 4th of July, for instance, or the return of looted artefacts to their country of origin. But they also focus on what is owed rather than merely aiming to achieve equal opportunity. For a much more detailed outline of the case for reparations, please do see Tanahasi Coates' work, specifically an article called The Case for Reparations.
Could democratic equality accommodate for reparations? In her work, What is the Point of Equality, Anderson says certain patterns in the distribution of goods may be instrumental to securing such relationships, following from them or even being constitutive of them. The relationships she is discussing are relationships where people are seen as equal, not because they literally possess equal goods and equal opportunities, but through mutual respect and a recognition of equal moral worth. In terms of racial inequalities that are particularly relevant right now, democratic equality might look like the calls to reassign police funding and invest in community projects to tackle systemic racism. To revisit the idea of supposedly historical reparations, it's important to remember that although people may think of the recipients of proposed reparations as the ancestors of those who incurred the original hurt, in actuality there are modern day victims. Tanahasi Coates and Elizabeth Anderson both talked about the lasting inequality created by housing discrimination. Democratic equality would in theory hope to rectify this and stop the gentrification of certain communities and the gerrymandering of others. As always, I really encourage you to do your own research and form your own opinions. Are you convinced that the case for reparations needs like egalitarianism principles to proceed? Or do you think it finds a more effective home in democratic equality? Which, yes, is definitely more complicated than like egalitarianism, but you know what? Life is complicated. I think personally what I find separates democratic equality from like egalitarianism, and bear in mind I'm not saying democratic equality is perfect, is that it intends to support citizens throughout their lives rather than believing its job is to be done after putting people on an assumed equal starting point. The topic of egalitarianism and righting social inequalities is a hefty one, let's be honest. But it's one we're becoming more and more confronted with and that's probably not going to stop. This past month has been rightly dominated by two intersectional movements, the Black Lives Matter movement and Pride, both of which are challenging society's treatment of its people and asking us to reconsider our approach to equality. In the UK specifically, we've just seen the government U-turn on providing meals to students who need them over the summer. This always sparks a lot of rhetoric regarding parents' responsibility to provide for the children they've chosen to have. Perhaps we'd do better to focus on the responsibility of governments to provide for their citizens. How you feel about this will probably depend on how you feel about the theories we've discussed. I'll leave you with that. Until next time, folks. See you later.